Good morning, church. Happy Sunday to you all. It's good to spend time with you again this week as we begin a brand new week and we remind ourselves just how blessed we are in Jesus. No matter what else is going on in our lives or what else is going on in our world, we celebrate and rejoice in the blessings that we have in Christ. Whether you're a member here at McDermott Road or you're a guest that's joining us online, maybe even for the first time, I want you to know that I love you. We love you. This congregation loves you. And if there's anything that we can do for you, if we can pray for you or help you in any way, we really hope that you'll reach out to us and let us know your needs. You know, one of the things that I've always appreciated about Sunday mornings, probably my favorite thing about Sunday mornings is that it reminds me that I'm a part of something bigger than myself. It reminds me that I'm not the only one who believes in the empty tomb. I'm not the only one uh, who is what I am, and I'm reminded that I'm a part of something big. I'm a part of something so much bigger than myself. On Sunday mornings, when this room is typically filled with hundreds of people, I'm reminded that I'm not the only one. I'm reminded that I'm part of a huge family. I'm reminded that I don't have to go through anything alone. And maybe that's the hardest part for me during this current situation is that on Sunday mornings, I don't have that reminder. I, I don't see your faces. And so I don't have the reminder that I'm part of something bigger than myself. And I know that for many of you, you struggle with that as well. But I'm also reminded that even on a typical Sunday morning, when this room was filled with hundreds and hundreds of people, we still were only a fraction of the people throughout the world who were gathered together. We still, even when we had that visual reminder that we're not the only ones and that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. We still had to use our imaginations and remind ourselves that there are millions and millions and millions of people that are united in worship this morning. That was always true. It was true when this room was filled, and it's true on days like this where the room is empty. Sometimes we just have to use a little more imagination than at other times, but every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning requires us to use our imaginations and to remember that when we take the bread and when we share the cup, and when we sing the songs and we say the prayers, we are part of something so much bigger than ourselves. We are together. We are united. And not just united in worship, but also united in mission. That's, that's what Sunday morning reminds us of, that we're not only united in worshiping God, we're not only united in celebrating the empty tomb, we're united in mission because of the empty tomb. In fact, when you think about what the mission of the church is, here's one way we might put it. The mission of the church is to invite others to experience the power of resurrection about the resurrection, yes. But more than that, the mission of the church the mission that unites us is to invite others to experience the power of resurrection in their lives. 
the power of resurrection to die to the old self, to put off the old self, to be united with Jesus, to be raised up from the water of baptism, to walk in a brand new, resurrected, changed, transformed, redeemed, forgiven life that puts on, as we talked about last week, it puts on kindness and humility and patience, and it becomes something different. We've experienced that. We are beginning to experience that. We are going through that. We are experiencing, if we believe in and we embrace the empty tomb, we are experiencing the power of the resurrection in our lives. And so our mission, your mission, and my mission, the mission that unites us, is to invite as many others as we possibly can to experience the power of resurrection in their lives. Yes, this is a sermon about evangelism, about telling other people about Jesus. And I don't know about you, but whenever I hear a sermon about evangelism, it, it makes me a little overwhelmed. How about you? Because I think about all the millions and millions, the billions of people in the world who need to experience the, the power of resurrection in their lives. The billions of people in the world who need to hear about the empty tomb and need to know what Jesus can do for them. And so I feel a little bit overwhelmed when I think about all the people in the world who need to hear about Jesus. So my goal for the sermon this morning is that I want you and I, I want us to embrace our role I want you to embrace your role in the global mission of the church without feeling overwhelmed. That's the goal this morning, is for you to embrace your role in the global mission of the church without feeling overwhelmed. For you to know that you are part of something bigger than yourself, that you have a mission to accomplish, that you're a part of inviting the world Everyone who has not yet heard, everyone who has not yet seen, everyone who has not experienced the power of the empty tomb in their lives, the power of resurrection in their lives, the power of what Jesus can do for them and what the Spirit can do in them. It's your job, it's your joy, it's your role, it's your responsibility to help to help take that message to the world, to help invite others to experience the power of resurrection in their life. But it's not just your job. You're not alone. You don't have to do it by yourself. You, you play a role and I play a role and every other child of God plays a role. So don't get overwhelmed. It's really not as hard as you think. And I want to give us a couple things that we can think about this morning as we wrap up this series on resurrected living and as we look at the way Paul wraps up his letter, the letter of Colossians, chapter 4 and verse 2. This is our text for this morning. Colossians 4 and verse 2. Paul says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. 
I want you to recognize that as Paul is writing to this church family, he's writing from prison and he's encouraging them and wrapping up his letter on what it looks like to live a Christ-centered life, to live a resurrected life. What he encourages them to do, first and foremost, is pray. Pray. And not only pray for their own lives and what's going on in their own world, but to pray for him. Here's something to think about. Paul considered everyone who prayed for him to be a vital participant in his ministry. Think about that for a second. Paul considered every single church and every single Christian, every single one who offered up a prayer on his behalf to be an essential participant in his ministry, to be an essential participant in his ministry. Even though maybe some of those people would never leave Colossae. They, they, they were there. They weren't going to come and follow him on his journeys. They weren't going to come and visit him in prison. They weren't going to be arrested with him or beaten with him or preach with him or teach with him. But if they prayed for him, Paul considered them to be an active, a vital, an essential participant in his ministry. And think about what he encourages them to pray for. What does he say? I I want you to pray for what? that God would open doors of opportunity. So Paul says, if you pray that I have access to opportunities, then you are a participant in my ministry. If you pray that I have access to opportunities, then you are a participant in my ministry. And two, he says, I want you to pray that I will speak with clarity. Pray that I will preach the mystery of Christ as clearly as I ought to preach it. So access to opportunities and two, ability to speak with clarity. Paul says, if you are praying that I have access to opportunities and ability to speak with clarity, then you are a participant in my ministry. Church, do you, do you realize that? That you have the opportunity to participate in global missions. Yes, you can go on a mission trip, absolutely. And that might change your life forever. Yes, you could sell your house and your car and change careers and you could go and be a missionary. Or or, or you could give all kinds of money and support financially missionaries and ministries that are going on around the world. You could do all of those things, and I'm not discounting those things, and maybe you ought to do some of those things. But do you realize that if you pray for a missionary, then you are a participant in that ministry. If you pray that God will grant access to opportunities and that those missionaries would have the ability to speak with clarity, then you are a participant in that mission. You are a participant in that ministry. You you may never visit Nicaragua, but if you pray for Eric Garcia and for the others that are working in Nicaragua, then you are a participant in that ministry. You may never visit Tallinn, Estonia, but if you pray for Nikolai, then then you are a participant in that ministry. You may never visit Haiti. You may never visit the churches that we're helping to plant in South Texas or in Mexico, but if you pray for them, for 
access to opportunities and ability to speak with clarity, then you are a participant in those missions. You are a participant in those ministries. I'm not, I'm not discouraging you from going there and visiting those, those mission points or even going and being a missionary because the Lord knows, and I hope we all know, that we need people who will do exactly that. But don't discount the power of prayer. That if you are earnestly praying for opportunities, then you are participating in that ministry. If you are actively and fervently praying that those missionaries and preachers and teachers and evangelists, that they have the ability to speak with clarity, then you are participating in that ministry. I mean, let's humble ourselves for just a second. When's the last time that you prayed for the mission points of this congregation? And not just these mission points that we support and are actively involved in, but the mission points all over the world. You know, one of our members here just this week sent me an email and he was talking about an evangelist friend that he has that's in another country that's suffering because of the the COVID-19 quarantine and lockdown. Our brothers and sisters throughout the world are suffering and are struggling in, in much similar ways to what we're going through and many times much, much worse. But it was interesting to me that this evangelist who's working in another country and has been for many, many years, that his primary struggle isn't in not being able to gather, his struggle is in not being able to go. His, his, his heart isn't just aching to gather together again. I'm sure that's part of it. His heart is aching to be able to go out again, to be able to go and share the message of Jesus with his neighbors, with the people that he loves, with the people that he's longing to see the power of resurrection at work in their lives. Not only do we need to have that longing where we long to go and not just to gather, but but we also need to be praying for those who have gone, praying for those that are teaching, praying for those who are preaching, praying for those who are sharing, praying that they have access to opportunities, praying that they have the ability to speak with clarity. You may never go to Nicaragua. You may never go to Estonia. You may never go to Haiti. You may never go to Mexico. But if you pray for them, you are participating in those missions. You are participating in the global mission of the church. And then where do we go from here? Let's look at the next verse in verse 5. So Paul, in addition to prayers, what else do you do? He says this, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always, always, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I want you to notice something. You participate in the global mission of the church, not just through your prayers, not just through you supporting and and encouraging and praying for missionaries. You participate in the global mission of the church by doing this, walking in wisdom toward outsiders. Every single interaction that you have with someone outside of the body of Christ Every interaction you have with an unbeliever, 
Every interaction you have with someone who has not yet experienced the power of resurrection in their life, every, every, every single interaction you have is an opportunity. Paul says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Every single interaction you have is an opportunity. Now, that doesn't mean every interaction you have, you need to have a Bible study with them, right? It doesn't mean every time you go to a restaurant, and I think we will go back to restaurants someday, and every time a waiter brings you your food and they don't yet know about Jesus, it doesn't mean you should say, sit down, I need to have a Bible study with you right now. It doesn't mean every time you go through the grocery store checkout line that you try to teach the gospel to the person who is selling you your groceries. It doesn't mean that every time you... you talk with your, your coworker or a fellow student at school that you need to have a Bible study every single time. But it does mean that every interaction you have is an opportunity to walk in wisdom, to be careful what you say and what you do and how you act because everything that you do and everything that you say is a reflection on Jesus and on Jesus' people And Paul tells the the church at Colossae, you must walk in wisdom toward outsiders. You've got to be very careful with the opportunities that you have. Every interaction that you have with a person outside of Christ is an opportunity. An opportunity to bring glory to God. An opportunity to show that person this is what the church is all about. This is how God's people love. This is how God's people love our family. This is how God's people love our neighbor. This is how God's people love our enemies. Every interaction you have is an opportunity, which means, which means every time you post something on Facebook and an outsider sees your post on Facebook, Every time you comment on a post on Facebook, every time you tweet something, every time you post something on Instagram, every time you put something on Snapchat, every time you interact with someone online, it's an opportunity, an opportunity to show people this is what a person looks like who has experienced the power of resurrection in their lives. You have the opportunity to bring glory to God with every single interaction you have. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you have to have a Bible study every five minutes. It's good to have Bible studies with people. And I'm not discouraging you from having Bible studies with people. Do that. That's great. But you don't have to have a Bible study every time you have an interaction. But you do have to make sure that you're wise with how you interact with people. But notice what else he says. Notice what else he says. He says, let your speech always, always be what? Gracious. Let your speech, not sometimes be gracious, but let your speech always be gracious. And the Greek word that's translated gracious here, it it can be defined this way, a winning quality or attractiveness that invites a favorable response. A winning quality, a winsome, a winsome way of talking, a winning quality or attractiveness that invites a favorable reaction. Let your speech always be gracious. Let your speech, everything you say, everything you say, whether you post it online 
or you say it to someone in person, or you say it about somebody behind their back, whatever you're saying, and I'm preaching to myself just as much as I am anybody, let your speech always be of a winning quality, attractive, so that it invites a favorable reaction. Why? Because every Every interaction you have with an outsider is an opportunity, an opportunity to act and walk in wisdom. And this is what wisdom looks like. Let your speech always be gracious. Let it be winsome. And then he says it needs to be seasoned with salt. Isn't that why we put salt on things? I mean, we could talk about all kinds of qualities of salt, but, but here's a pretty simple reason we put salt on things. It makes stuff better, right? It makes stuff better. Whether you're eating meat or you're eating potatoes or whatever you're eating, it makes stuff better. It makes food better. It makes it more enjoyable. And Paul says that's the way your speech should always be. As followers of Jesus, as people who have experienced the power of resurrection in their life, as people who are participating in the global mission of the church to bring outsiders inside, to help outsiders experience the power of resurrection in their lives, your speech needs to always be seasoned with salt. It needs to be winsome and favorable. It needs to make things better if we open our mouth it should only be to make the situation better it should only be to make the conversation better it should only be to make a person better and to help them to see that Jesus's way is a better way so listen not everybody is a teacher you know that not everybody is a teacher and it's okay if you're not a teacher it's okay if, if you are just completely overwhelmed when, when you think about having a Bible study with somebody. And again, I'm not discouraging you from having a Bible study with someone. But I do want you to know that you can participate in the global mission of the church without sitting down and having a Bible study with every unbeliever you know. But here's what every believer must do. Two things. One, pray for progress. Pray for progress. Pray for progress. Pray for our missionaries. Pray for our missionaries. Pray for me, church. Pray for me. Pray that God may open doors of opportunity and pray that I have the ability to speak the truth about Jesus with clarity. Pray for all of our ministers. Pray for all of our elders. Pray for all of our deacons. Pray for all of our teachers and our Bible class teachers. Pray for all of us. Pray for the progress of the gospel in Collin County. Pray for the progress of the gospel in Texas. Pray for the progress of the gospel in Mexico. Pray for the progress of the gospel in the United States. Pray for the progress of the gospel in Central America and South America and in, in Europe and in Africa and in Asia and all over the world. Pray for the progress of the gospel. Pray that people have access to opportunity and that they have the ability to speak with clarity. Pray for the progress of the gospel. You don't have to be a teacher 
to pray for the progress of the gospel. You don't have to be a minister to pray for the progress of the gospel. You don't have to be an elder or a deacon to pray for the progress of the gospel. Pray for progress. Every Christian can participate in the global mission of the church by praying for progress. And then two, season your speech. Season your speech. Let your speech always be gracious. You can do that. You you don't have to have a degree in theology. You don't even have to know all the books of the Bible to season your speech. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Be wise in the way you walk towards outsiders. Church, if we would do these two things, if we would pray for the progress of the gospel and we would season our speech, And be careful what we post online. We see it, don't we? We see the things that we're saying online to people that disagree with us, about people who disagree with us, about this, that, or the other, and we're giving people the wrong impression about what it looks like and what it means to experience the power of resurrection in their lives. It's not to say we're trying to give people the impression that we're perfect. We're not. We're not perfect, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, nobody is perfect, and nobody ought to be trying to give the impression that they're perfect. But we should be trying to give people the impression that the power of resurrection in our lives has made a difference. It's changed us, it's transforming us. We're a work in progress, but the power of the resurrection has made a difference in us. And you can tell by the way we use our words you can tell by the way we season our speech. So these two things, these two things. I hope you can embrace your role in the global mission of the church to invite, to invite others to experience the power of the resurrection in their lives. You can do a lot of things to participate in that global mission. You can have Bible studies. You can go on mission trips. You can share your resources, and I hope you'll do all of those things, but you don't have to do all of those things. But you can do these two things for sure, can't you? Pray for progress and season your speech. Pray for progress and season your speech. Church, listen, we're in this together. We have a big job to do, billions and billions of people to reach, but none of us can do it alone. The only way we can reach Collin County with the message of Jesus, inviting them to experience the the power of resurrection in their lives, the only way we can accomplish our mission here or around the world is for us to work together. We really are brighter together than we are apart. And that's why I am so thankful for each and every one of you for your participation in the local work of the church and your participation in the global work of the church. But part of our work in the church is you and helping you, each and every one of you, to experience the power of resurrection in your life. So if we can help you to take a next step towards being more transformed in who Jesus would have you to be, please Let us know how we can help you. Let us know how we can walk with you because you are not alone. 
It may feel like you're alone because you're isolated, just like all of us are isolated this morning, but you are not alone. We are in this together. So please let us know how we can help you. We're going to sing one more song, and after we sing that song, we're going to be closed in prayer by Brother Haven Miller, who's praying from his home, and we are so thankful for him, and we're so thankful for all of you. Thank you for being here this morning.